does an odd mean go? Do you want to... If you, nod? Is that an odd? I'll go with that. Welcome to A Competitive Couple, Episode 2. A podcast where we cover great games to play on your tabletop as a twosome. Uh, my name's Jamie Chad. And with me is Charlotte Collins. I just forgot to introduce you there. I'm really sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I thought I'd leave a bit of dead air just in between us. And then... I was like, am I, am I introducing myself? It's, it's not a solo podcast, is it? Okay. A solo podcast. I thought you just forgot about me for a second. It's like, no. This is a competitive couple cast, but the news is there is no couple. There is no couple. Oh, it's that's not, so sad. It's not competitive now either. Um, yeah, so this is a podcast all about amazing two-player games and, and anything else we kind of play as well. And, I mean, how are you? I'm are you good? Thank you. Okay. Yeah. yeah, how are you feeling today? I'm, I'm braced for the beast from the east, the snow from Russia with love that's about to come in for the next three days, isn't it? I mean, that's what they're calling it in the news. I didn't just make that I did that not out. know what you were about to you talk know, about. The beast like, from the east. Yeah, some like a Balkan hunk. No, it's the beast from the east. It's the big snowstorm, which hopefully will hit and then we'll get to play like two days worth of board gaming indoors. Huzzah. While pretending to work from home. Yeah. We can but hope. You always hear about them in America where there's big storms and have to stay in and play board games by candlelight. Yeah. And I'm excited that that might actually happen this week. You never know. Absolutely. I've got my fingers crossed yeah. for a bit of snow. So what are we talking about today, Charlotte? So in this episode, we're going to be uh, talking about our time at the City of Games and all the shenanigans we got up to. Yes, what a wonderful weekend we had in Bristol. It really was, wasn't it? Games, food, drink, other things, which we'll get to. <laughs> Um, it was really good fun. We'll be talking about our experiences playing some of those games at City of Games, including Fallout, Sagrada, Mexica, Hunt for the Ring, Pulsar 2498, 2849, 2842, yep, something like that, uh, Alchemist, important distinction there, and sub We'll also be reliving our trauma with a brief spoiler-free chit-chat about the Poltergeist escape room at Puzzle Air in Bristol. And we'll finish up with a little playthrough of one of our games we bought home, Fog of Love. Fog of Love. So foggy, this love. First up then, Pulsar 2849. This was quite a good experience. This was the first game we've ever been demoed to um, from Czech Games Edition on our last day. Uh, yes, it was. was. It the Sunday morning, yeah, wasn't it? Right before we left. Um, we'd booked in uh, for a nice 10 o'clock, two hour slot. We played with two other people um, and got Pulsar shown to us. A game that came out last year. It's about two to four players racing around a really wonderfully sort of drawn galaxy, um, mining resources, landing on planets, gathering energy from pulsars. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I do find it interesting that you thought of it as a really well-drawn thing, because I thought the design of it was probably my least favourite oh, really? element of it. I thought it was too kind of like, kind of garish space. Like, I feel like a lot of space games can sometimes be a little bit like garish space colours. Like, you can do so much with like sort of space and make it look really beautiful when I do it. I, I can't, I don't well, know you know what it reminded me of? What? Masters of Orion. Oh, of course. It I had did. the bright colours and the design of that sort of game, and that's what it reminded me of. And, you know, as well as like the, all the coloured star lanes and stuff like that. Um, yeah, but I can see where you're coming from. I, I can get, I mean, Pulsar's not overly original, it's kind of a random throw around gyrodomes on Pulsar's game, <laughs> run yeah. of the mill. Um, and it's, it is one of those sort of games where you can kind of take victory points from so many different areas. Yes. Um, although, obviously, the name being Pulsar, mining these pulsars are quite important. It was quite a good engine-building game is, in that yeah. respect, wasn't it? Because you really could... Like, the, the girl that won very much um, went for the pulsars 
yes. bit of it, which we completely just didn't. I, and to yeah. be fair, it is called Pulsar, and we probably lost because we didn't really... <laughs> I like to think I consciously came fourth out of four in that game, because I was taking a completely different strategy, where I built a couple of buildings, and then I just tried to get as many points as possible for landing on as many different planets. Yes. Which I did, and I won that, and I got quite a lot of points. Uh, I don't think you won that. I did ha- uh, Oh, she did you. I can't remember. We were we, we were very, we very actually. close, because that was my tactic as well. Uh, yeah. I was trying to explore the You points. did it far more efficiently than I did, though. Yeah, I think you I did. You also did other stuff. I was just... Uh, I, really I had no idea what I was doing most of the time, but... <laughs> <laughs> I, and I like the dice drafting bit as well. Yeah, so the interesting dice drafting bit of this is that you roll, I think... You roll seven dice for the for the four player game. We, we roll seven dice and then you allocate them however they roll into their one to six sections. And then you do it a bit of math because you find the median die. <laughs> yeah. Sounds ridiculous, but you find the medium die. So basically the middle dice. And then um, if you select anything with a higher number than the median, um, you go down on the tracks for turn order or production, which is resources. Um, if you select a die that is generally weaker and lower than the median, then you actually go up on these turn order tracks. So it's quite a good balance between being greedy and picking a five or six, which are quite powerful die, meaning you can travel further or build better buildings, or picking a one or a two, maybe not as powerful die, but going up in turn order and gaining resources, which can lead to bonus die in the future, which is a really cool mechanic, and I really like that. Yeah. It was it was probably one of my favourite games of the weekend, and I, I there's a lot to be said for having someone demo a game to you and have it set up already and learning as you're doing, because I tend to like phase out a little bit with big long rules explanations i'd like to hire like a board game butler yeah, know, that just does right? that i mean that's a that's a job and that's a market like gap right there because <laughs> that's, that's, that's wonderful because that probably would have taken about a good quarter of an hour at least to set up and it's just not time i have <laughs> no, definitely. um it gets a thumbs up from me though uh pulsar i really enjoyed it and i, I think so. i think with two players it probably would have been like most yeah. games with a big map competitive where it's not co-op probably not as exciting as a two-player you'd just be very focused on your own engines you wouldn't be getting each other's way. No, I, I kind of agree with you there. But I'd be curious to maybe if we come across it again to play it and find out what yeah, it would be like. It would be. Players. it would be. The first game we played when we got to City of Games was Fallout, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Fallout is a 2017 game made by Fantasy Flight Games. Which I did not know when we were playing it. Because Fantasy not? Flight produced a lot of stuff that we play and I enjoy. Oh, and I didn't know. Fancy that. But no, the uh, the Fallout game is adapted from the video game of the same name. It's a post-nuclear adventure game for one to four players it's not a family adventure that <laughs> no, no. <laughs> not post-nuclear family <laughs> i don't know uh but yeah um so where you're forming a wasteland aren't you through tiles which you explore and have to complete quests and sort of fight bad guys and general monstery enemies and such I haven't played the video game. You no. have, right? Did it remind you of the video game? Were there oh, some things yes. in there that were... I mean, from like the general theme and look of it, it was very Fallout. It incorporated what's um, called like the special aspect of Fallout where you're building up your skills. Right, okay. That's what the whole special thing was about. And that's kind of reflected in the Fallout game by unlocking special tokens that when you come across different quests and such that's the thing that allows you to roll more dice okay so like or the dice. Or yeah if you that. have an i and the a of special or whatever you could roll more dice okay and and then the quests and stuff was that quite similar yes, to how the, the game worked quests were very um in keeping with fallout i mean the quest system was interesting you basically get 
kind of half choose your own adventure type sort of thing. You get a big quest deck and a couple of other encounter decks and the quests you complete or succeed them or fail them or something and then you draw more stories out that are shuffled into other decks so that you kind of revisit those yeah. story threads again quite naturally in a few yeah. turns time or something. Yeah, the quests, they were probably one of my favourite parts of it, being able to choose kind of where the story would be taking you. Mm-hmm. Like one of my favourite moments was one of the guys that we were playing with ended up doing an election didn't he yeah, he was taking part in an election in one himself. of the vaults <laughs> which turned into a, quite a funny little side side story where we were all rooting rooting for him in his little uh, election yeah getting his good dice rolls yeah that was that was but interesting that, that was probably one of the only real moments of kind of player interaction i felt in the game if that makes sense it's not a game that really lends itself well to kind of really caring all that much about what other people are doing yeah it it is weird because it's competitive and we'll probably just touch on that in a second but you don't ever fight other characters or anything like that you never in direct combat with each other only with these monsters that are going around the board and yeah i mean you can but you can trade items so it's competitive but like the only thing you can do between each other is assist each other by trading items which i mean i don't know if one of the other scenarios was like teamed or not but it didn't seem like it to me on the subject of competition, kind of the the wit, how to win the game felt a little bit luck based, underwhelming. If, yeah, yeah. For a game that could potentially take around four hours to play, if you really yeah. go gung ho for it, you had to gain agenda points based on the influence track of these two other rival factions that were kind of AI type controlled in the game. Um, but you grabbed agenda cards at certain points, and you kind of kept some secret. If you satisfy the conditions of that agenda card, you could like announce it and then gain those points. I think, but you don't really get a decision on what cards you had. So I think we didn't quite finish the game, but I was one point away from winning. But I don't know. I was doing the basically the worst, wasn't I? To be honest, <laughs> for four hours, I was just dying over and over. Yeah, although that wasn't technically. <laughs> We were we we did we were playing it a little wrong or oh, more yeah, we than did one put like double the amount of monsters, so we made it a little yeah. bit harder on ourselves. Yes, yeah. because theoretically, I I didn't die once, but I was probably doing the worst because I didn't have any of those. Yeah, um, yeah. Those it was weird because I only did one thing to advance, kind of my own, I guess, quest or whatever was like kill one monster, and then I got another card for it, and suddenly I was winning, and then I was really close to winning, and I drew two more cards. And then I basically won. <laughs> yeah. But in my hand was two. I was getting points because both factions were doing well, and it was just a bit confusing. Like, yeah, you would like to call it ending. Well, yeah, because it sort of fizzled out anyway, didn't it, for us? Because we'd been playing it for about four, four to five hours. Yeah, it was. We all on. just called it a day, didn't we? Yeah, because it was getting late. And but I claimed the victory still. I mean, <laughs> oh yeah, okay, in your head. <laughs> we all decided. But yeah, it really was yeah, a bit of an underwhelming won. finish. It probably, I think, like almost each player should have their own sort of quest deck sort of thing to go through, and yeah. then see because it seemed a bit flat towards the end. Yeah, it did feel like a bit of a bit of a slog in some respects. It's a shame, but yeah. it's not a game I don't think we'd buy. But maybe a game we'd but, play again yeah, together say, just to maybe play maybe another scenario, see again. what the story does. I do love the quirky humour keeps from the series right so they're quite oh, funny yeah. games right aren't they yeah yeah and they're kind of dark <laughs> and the design is bang on the games you've got the little caps oh, yeah. to use for money and you got all those other sort of oh, bits yeah, and pieces so, so and all the stunning looking games. items and clothing you can wear and stuff like that it's mm. it's really good but yeah Absolutely. little flat on that one Absolutely. yeah one of the um other games that we played then was Alchemist. Alchemist. Alchemist, which was a bit of an accident. Um, I picked it up thinking it was the 2014 game Alchemists by Czech Games Edition. We played Alchemist 
a 2007 game by Mayfair Games. May they rest in peace because they just announced that they closed. Well, yeah, I, I just wanted to explain what it is because if you're like me, you were thinking of Alchemists. Alchemist is um, basically a game about cubes, uh, sort of for about two to five players, where you um, you create potion recipes, which then create more cubes or ingredients and victory points. But you can't make your own potions. You only make other players' potions at the cost of a cube. It's quite a... Um, confu- if you're confused at this point, there is good reason, because it doesn't really make sense. There is no kind of <laughs> real-life logic there. Why can't you make the own potion that you've <laughs> I think, created? I, don't, I think we're not giving it enough credit, in fairness. Hmm. It, was, it wasn't the best game, but I think we got stumbled with a bit with the rules in the beginning, and those early potions we made really affected our end game. I think there is a bit of like a market dynamic there because obviously you're trying to not you're trying to make sure one potion completely sells out and do really well. So you're trying to attract some people to make your potions that either use those cubes or produce those cubes that they can use somewhere else. I think there is a game in there. Yeah, and I I do like that idea, and I think perhaps certainly it probably would work be- far better with at least three or four players absolutely yeah but at two players you kind of just don't really want the other person to make your recipes because they're probably getting a better deal of it than you yeah i can imagine that i can imagine a four player you're kind of doing a bit more like an an, almost like an advertising thing to everyone else come make my potions do do this do that where the two player felt almost like a bluffing game where we were trying to psych each other out about which potions we wanted the other person to use and which cubes and with other players as well you're probably fighting for space as well on the board because there's only kind of a limited amount of potion making slots so you know that probably add a bit of a competition too it was interesting but yeah, again, a yeah, bit of a miss. A bit, bit so so. <laughs> bit of a miss. Yeah, a bit disappointing. What wasn't a miss, however, was Sagrada, which we finally got to play, which yes. I think we both are looking forward to playing for a while. Um, game that came out last year by Floodgate Games. It's a dice rolling, dice drafting, painting stained glass windows game. Um, <laughs> it's not as dry as it sounds. It's just a really easy to get, fun, strategic game with ninety multicolored dice, I think, in the bag. Um, and just really pretty art, big chunky components, which we really enjoyed. Yeah, I, th- I think it was probably a bit of a hit at City of Games in general, because I saw a lot of people yeah. <laughs> borrowing that yeah. one. Um, I think a lot of people wanted to try that out. I-, I really loved it, and I think it's a great sort of game that you can kind of get your family playing as well. Yeah, like, it's quite simple. Yep, so basically all you do each turn is you grab a handful of dice from the bag, um, you roll them, and then you take it in turns to draft them or use special tools to change the dice or change the value. And then you plop them on your stained glass window. Some of the squares on your window, your grid, have got like um, number restrictions or color restrictions. But basically, you kind of just um, put them in there and try and get as many points as possible. Really easy to understand. Really fun to play. Um, we had a good battle on a couple of games. And I think it plays from has a solo mode as well. So it goes from one to, I think, six players with an upcoming okay. expansion they're going to oh, do. Nice. Um, and I think the base game does only up to five. So it's a proper family game. It fits a lot of player counts. It's just really cool to look at and put on the table. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I was I was very happy and impressed. Something I'm definitely going to be looking out for in the future. Yeah, I think if we can get that to... on the cheap, yeah, that'd just be great. Wouldn't it? It'd be lovely. <laughs> um, a game we probably won't be buying, but kind of oh. enjoyed until... Oh, maybe I was going to say, oh, I thought you really enjoyed that. <laughs> um, Subterra by uh, Inside the Box Board Games from last year. It's a... 
uh, a game where one to six players are trapped in a labyrinth of caves and you slowly move around laying out tiles as you go to kind of map out the cave system and you need to find the exit. All four of you at the same time need to go out the exit before you kind of succumb to these dark horrors, mysterious horrors. I mean, that's basically it. There's some tiles in there that have cave-ins and floods. There's a kind of a, a, a hazard deck where you draw cards from and things happen. Um Okay, it was... I, I really liked it. I thought you enjoyed it more than you're kind of indicating. Because for me, it it has the elements of, like, portrayal on the house on the hill that I like. You know, with the, you're, you're, oh, you're revealing a new tile, you're yep. placing it on the board. I like, I like that element. And the idea that you're ultimately trying to all get out together, in theory, yes, you could get out without one person, but that might bring your score down. I like yep. those elements and the different character roles. But, you know, what kind of let it down for you? I didn't know. The character roles were cool and interesting. I don't know. I think that the tile placement, there's not really much of like a strategy to it. I mean, they plonk out. You can turn them around one way or the other. You can't really see where the walls are because it's just dark blues and dark and blacks. And I think just sometimes, although obviously the theme of the game is, yes, you can run down and find a dead end. You know, you can go through a long hallway, climb some rubble, swim through a flood, take all these turns to get to a dead end. Um, it's very thematic, but it's not very exciting for that to happen to you in a game. <laughs> it's kind of how I feel. Yes, you can stay together, and that's probably a good idea. Don't stray too far from each other. But if you can, if you're trying to explore these tiles to find the exit, it's it's not the most exciting thing to just come to. Like you can't do anything from that point onwards and have to go back all the other way. Yes, it's funny you should say that because we all had to, well, we all, being me, <laughs> my two characters that I was controlling. Uh, yeah, we had to come back for you, didn't we? Because the diver decided to go and try and find a little pool all by himself. Well, I was trying to I was trying to get that movement down. So the diver is one of the characters with special abilities. He can swim from one flooded cave tile to any other one in the whole system. So I had my diver separate from the group and try and explore a huge other part of the cave. Um, to try and find the exit so they could cover some ground as well and cover more ground and all. Just so happened that he became unconscious. Yes. And then you all had to come and pick me up. And then we <laughs> tried to come back for you and that's when all of the horrors descended upon us and yeah. we all died. Speaking of that, the horrors... Okay, so the character cards are brilliant. They're wonderfully illustrated. The horrors are just black tokens. They're not very scary. They could at least cover some like horrific meeple type things. I don't know, I... You, you Again, like I kind of liked the just starkness of it in a way. Because what what more did it? Because if you if you make it one specific thing, let's say you make it like a golem like creature, then players would easily just be like, "Well, that's not really that horrific." Whereas it leaves a bit more to the imagination. You know, like in um, what is that movie? There's a horror movie, isn't there, about caving? The Descent. Which again, actually, they are like golem-like creatures, so I probably <laughs> shot myself in the foot. There, yeah, but... yeah, but they just look, especially on that dark black and blue board, these little black yeah. circles, it just didn't stand out or really be horrifying as much yeah. as it could have been. It didn't blow me away. Or not even necessarily a real horror, is it? It could potentially be your own just be the nerves, mental... the yeah, nerves exactly. of the labyrinth. Exactly. I, could, I don't know. I, could, I thought I thought you enjoyed it a lot more than your. Uh, I think I did enjoy so, it, but I don't but think I it was amazing. It's... Like I think the, the the potential and the idea was really great there for a, like a pandemic type game, not pandemic type game, but everyone's got different abilities and the yeah. cooperative experience. But it just didn't feel that like exciting to me, and it didn't really feel like we were working together much as well. I mean, the only character that really 
co-ops much with other players as the medic who runs and heals people. No one had like game-changing abilities and things like that. I don't know, it just didn't feel as exciting as it does when we play Pandemic together or Eldritch together. And I know it's only a smaller game, so it's a smaller mm. game than those. But it just didn't have that sort of electricity to it that really made me go, oh, we need to find the exit quickly. Like If I had like a countdown timer or something, obviously running out of tiles is there, but I think yeah. was what's that um, kind of Indiana Jones dice checking game where you have to escape the temple or something like that? Yeah. I know we've seen it on YouTube a couple of times. That looks really fun, then. It's kind of a similar-ish concept where you have to go through and get out somewhere. just didn't quite feel like I had that. I think all it needs is, like, a booming soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, to be fair. And there probably is one, like, yeah. flowing around. So you put that on, there. and then just counting down with, like, 15 minutes, and you're flipping tiles all together, and you're trying to run out the room. I think that would be quite well, it's cool. like people say about Mysterium. They say, play the Mysterium soundtrack that you can find online, and, like, I you mean, know, yeah, it goes, I can... well, we, we need to try that. Yeah, we should maybe but, try yeah. that, absolutely. Another perhaps slight disappointment, on, certainly on my part, was Hunt for the Ring. Yeah. Was a 2018 brand new game. Yes, brand new by um, Ari's Games for two to five players, and it's basically it's a hidden movement game where one player takes the role of Frodo and his companions who are journeying from the Shire to Rivendell, while up to four other players represent the Nazgul. But yeah, the Nazgul are trying to hunt down the hobbits. And while travelling, Frodo just basically has to resist being corrupted by the ring. And... uh, I just don't think it was a very good game. (laughs) Do you know? I mean, but I think in concept, I love the idea of it. It just... I felt a little bit like perhaps as a two-player game, it kind of didn't really do it justice to what it might be like as a four-player game where you've got all the Nazgul kind of... Because you had to control four Nazgul, basically, didn't you? I did, yeah. But fortunately, all the Nazgul do the same thing, so... Yeah, and that's what... It makes them feel a little bit overpowered, I felt, as Frodo. I felt, well, there's not really much chance of me getting to the other side of the board in, like, 60 Yeah, turns. so there's it, a weird imbalance. So, yeah. so the game's two-sided anyway. We only played one half of it, which is that yes. journey to Mordor, right? And then the second half is, like, the... Bless you. No, it's no, not no, no, it's not, not quite, quite getting to Mordor. No, no. It's the first half of the adventure, then the second half is the second half, and there's Gandalf involved. We, we, we should that, point out Jamie doesn't really like Lord of the Rings. And <laughs> I love Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah, tell, the me, tell me what happens. The terrible. Um, eagles come to save them a couple of times. Gandalf's got them on speed dial, or speed stick dial, or whatever. Um, that's my memory of them. <laughs> They're great films. They're great films. Uh, and so we just played the first half where Frodo has to go from his home in the Shire to another part of the map of Lord of the Rings (laughs) via numbered destinations and obviously you're writing them down on your little sheet that I can't see interestingly because I mean we we felt like we'd had enough by the end of the first side of the board didn't we because obviously learning it as well takes up a fair chunk of time we wanted to move on to some other games but what I've heard with the other side of the board you then have control of Gandalf as well which might balance it out a bit I guess. Or there's more you can do, because I did just feel like there wasn't a whole lot I could do as Frodo. And, you, I mean, you had allies at your dispense through use of these various cards. But again, they were represented by kind of little chips, little yeah. ally chips. And again, it would have been nice to have some sort of little little miniature, perhaps, that represented those. I, I 
Yeah, it just didn't seem like there was... I mean, so I mean, your strategy, apart from getting from one end to the other, was based on basically randomly pulling cards. You didn't yeah. have any abilities that you could consistently use and hop around and things like that. Well, you kind of did, and that's quite I quite like... You had like um, some companion cards where you could use um, an effect ongoing or you could use the one-time-only effect, but then that kind mm. of turned your card over. You couldn't use use that effect again, but... None of those felt particularly kind of game game changey. No, and I think I read online that the the shortest route for, that Frodo can take is something like sixteen turns, or no, it's like eleven turns, and you've only got a maximum of like sixteen or something. Yeah. So it's basically if the Frodo player makes a mistake anywhere, or can you can only really like double back once or twice. Yeah. And that's it. You're never ever gonna get there. I made a mistake of kind of going kind of too far back in a loop against myself, and then I wasn't even like halfway across the board when it was like two turns left, and I was like, "Oh, this is not not going to end well for me." Yeah, and I wasn't very invested in the Nazgul's really being that player because they're just all the same. They don't have different things they can do or anything like that. Oh, they don't have little funny hats that distinguish them. No, there were no funny hats on the Nazgul, which I'm pretty sure is in the Two Towers. Am I not right? No. Who knows? I'll never understand those films. Didn't have enough personality, <laughs> did they? They didn't, know. There was nothing. They were just quite... I was just... I mean, one, the instruction booklet I was quite poorly written, so I didn't know what I was doing half the time because it was quite oh. difficult to keep on top of everything. And I was kind of pushing these figures around the board and just making these perception checks and rolling these dice. And it didn't feel like... It was kind of... It was almost too much... It's obviously supposed to be a bit of guesswork, but it felt like it was just... I move a character. Are you in this zone? No. Okay. Move it. Are you in this zone? No. I try this other one. It didn't feel like there was much else apart from just luckily being in the same region as you at a couple of points and finally catching you. Yeah. It was our first experience of a hidden movement game though and I did quite... I, I, I liked that element of it and I would uh, like to play some more of those. Yeah, I like the mechanic. That's It's attractive mm-hmm. to the mechanic, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially two-player two would be really yeah. interesting. Like hidden movements, quite a lot. Yeah bluffing involved there which is quite exciting exactly but uh, yeah not that game again unfortunately (laughs) a game i think we both liked you have to tell me wrong is mexico which is a game from 2002 um and involves you basically plonking these giant aztec temples down on a board um in order to gain spirit points um so satisfying to play because these temples at bridges you put down it's just awesome toy chunky things that you smack down um Really, really good fun. It's kind of like a mix of area control and tile laying and moving, you know, little people about a big desert island, which is really exciting to me. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think maybe at that point I perhaps started suffering from like kind of game fatigue yeah, <laughs> with, ru- with rules understanding. So it took me a little while to get into, but actually found to be quite simple in its it's concept actually. yeah so what you're doing is cut you're carving up this island with basically rivers to start with and then you're claiming districts which are basically um sections of the board of an amount of tiles say six or eight tiles that you claim and get points for which you can then build one of four sizes of temples in um you can also build bridges to move about the rivers um all based on like an action point economy system where like moving one space costs one point but building a temple costs two points um, which is kind of, once you know the iconography again, it's quite simple to move around and do stuff with, isn't it? Yeah. We found. Um, and it's, I guess it's a two-player game. Again, the board's quite open. Yeah. But it's still quite an interesting sort of dynamic. Oh, absolutely. I mean, call me immature, but I, I made a little penis district. So. You did make a penis district, which was just 
phenomenal. Don't know how many points it got you. Don't know how big it was. It was a four. It was. District. It was a very was like small. No, it was a very small <laughs> district. But and it's got and, and so you, like there's mechanics where you can like teleport for a whole just use your whole turn you can teleport from one spot to another so you can move around the board quite quickly even just a two-player game you don't sort of feel hemmed in or anything um mm. and i can imagine it's really good fun at all play counts but i think it really worked well when we played it and i'd quite like to play it again when we oh definitely i really and i really loved um not only the design but the components i i found they were really well made they were so good weren't they like the little temples they're just you have to so, seem to like, believe them the, the heft proper stone they're mm. heft the heftiest components <laughs> One has ever hefted, absolutely. absolutely. But absolutely, thumbs up for Mexico. Yeah. I think. From yeah, us. we're definitely uh, another game we want to definitely play again. Yep. Look out for. Yep. Talking oh. about things that go bump in the night. Oh, sorry. I thought I thought we had more games to talk about. Sorry, I forgot. Um. Yeah. So yeah. Um. So I guess should we talk about our first ever escape room escape room experience? I mean, I feel like I should sort of say i mean obviously it's not a tabletop game and that's kind of generally what we try and talk about here but i do feel like it's kind of relevant and worth touching on because especially with how popular the escape room in a box games yep. are now because that's something at one point i'd be quite interested in trying to kind of compare to the yeah. to the real deal so uh yeah i thought you know without spoiling kind of some of the uh moments in it what were you, what were your kind of thoughts um well so first i guess we should say what which one we went to oh, so yeah, we went to it, it's, it's puzzle air um in bristol um and we went to the poltergeist themed one mm-hmm. which you had to talk me into i think because yes probably... <laughs> i chose it because it it seemed to have the best reviews i mean the whole place seemed to have good reviews but it definitely stood out as kind of quite the experience and in hindsight it was probably because it's absolutely like horrifying <laughs> <laughs> full of surprises but then that makes it really quite memorable and um i don't know where i was going with that Sorry. it was it was a phenomenal experience um and for a first escape room i think to have that sort of terrifying part to it as well as trying to solve the puzzles was kind of really well put together it was so yes. well produced um oh yeah absolutely the design like yeah. the, the i've said the design i said design a lot in this uh, episode but yeah the decorate like it was i felt like it was i think the thing is with escape room sometimes you feel like oh that's an awful lot of money for an hour's entertainment but with escape rooms when they're done well i think it is worth it because the the effort in terms of design and decor and even even like the puzzles themselves just all cleverly thought through and put together but yeah no the decoration in that room was like next level horror yeah. I thought it was going to be like quite tame horror I don't know what gave me that impression I thought it was going to be like you know shadows and things shaking a little yeah, bit this, this was not um, that this no this was like this was proper 18 movie. rated right yes. like yeah. horror oh my movie God, it's actually creeping me out <laughs> <laughs> I think as well they're bringing the, they brought the technology part into it as well so yes. with the music and some things that happen in the game and <laughs> music eh technology music, the technology is just vastly improved these days and like they put hints on screen every so often when we got stuck, yeah. which we barely did. Um, and yeah, that was it, a cool yeah. bit to it. It was really, really very clever. Uh, and what I didn't really, I didn't understand the fact that we'd like have a games master as well, that someone's no, actually neither. almost in control of the narrative. So we'll help you when you need help. We'll scare the bejesus out of you when they feel you need scaring. <laughs> yeah, because I, I suppose our one was quite unusual because certainly around here where we live most escape rooms seem to be for three players or more and granted probably are a better experience at that uh, you know 
with more people. But our one and some of the other ones at Puzzler were, you know, did accept two players in. And I guess having a games master helps kind of scale it for yeah. different players. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. And it, it stops it from being like a, which, yeah, because I didn't realise about the whole games master thing either. But I guess it, it makes sense because it stops it from being like, oh, well, we don't get this. What do we do now? We yeah, just exactly. I guess the... if you got stuck on a puzzle ten minutes yeah. and you were like, "Oh, well, this is absolutely rubbish," which yeah, we did, so... we got stuck on one of the early ones, and we needed we a lot of visual help to get through. It. Otherwise, our experience would have been terrible. Yeah, and she did comment on that at the end, didn't she? That we did do well for two for just people two of us instead yeah. of five. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we didn't, we didn't win. Should we say that we didn't win? We didn't. Win. Um, <laughs> we did. <laughs> Should we? Say... We tapped out. We tapped the panic button with about a minute <laughs> left because. We were kind of all basically we we weren't going to win it anyway, and then something else happened that scared us. And scared the producers out of us so much. We were like, "Is this worth it?" For we one just, minute, we just called it because <laughs> I didn't know what else was going to happen, and you know. Plus, I was yeah on the floor like. <laughs> I got freaked with a scare about half an hour in, and I ended up just making a small puzzle on the floor. Yeah, I mean... Well, Charlotte bravely... To be fair, because she, she was like, oh, you did well for two players. But I was like, no, no, no. I did well for, like, one player for like half 1. of 5 it. 1.5 players, Cause, yeah. because yeah, my other player turned into, like, a, a little nervous oh, I didn't think it would... Yeah, it's, it's it weird. It was. It's, 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 it's funny, really. At the end of the day, you should feel like nothing's going to happen to you. But, like, the decor and the music and stuff, it gets you so into the, the moment that... It really does start messing with your head. Like, your ability to solve puzzles is really yeah. <laughs> messed with when you're terrified. Yeah, and it's completely different to watching a horror film. Having, uh, like, been a film buff for a while and watching horror films, but and also bad horror films, you are prepared for all the scares coming through the camera or the narrative or the acting or something like that. You know when these scares are going to happen. Being actually physically there and actually having to watch your back and not just waiting for the camera to focus on an empty space past someone's shoulder or something like that. It's just, oh, my spine is tingling. It was just so good and so yeah. exciting and terrifying. Yeah, would you would you recommend it? I would absolutely Bristol? recommend that. I would, yeah. I would recommend exploring Escape Rooms as a concept. I would love to do another one that doesn't involve anything horrifying, just a series absolutely. of puzzles is fine with me. What do we bring back from our... Uh... First yeah, so of, uh, also, obviously, at City Games, they had um, Area 51, who were selling some stuff, and they also had a, a trading post, so basically, like, a bring and buy people putting up adverts of games that they wanted to get rid of um, for pretty good value prices, some of them. So I picked up a game that I've wanted for a while, Arctic Scavengers, by Rio Grande Games, um, only for £15, which I was quite excited for, because I think it retails for about 35 40 so that was really good. Um, Arctic Scavengers is a, is a debt-building game that we will review coming of this soon. It's probably the one I'm going to review next, I think, on the website. Absolutely. We do have a website, so I should probably get some reviews on there. Um, it's a debt-building game for two to five players, where you're basically, you start with a small tribe of people in this sort of wintry Arctic world, um, and you're fighting for resources and fighting to, you know, hire other mercenaries, Um to then beat the other players to gain even more resources, your simple sort of deck building stuff. But it's got a few nice quirks in it, and it's got an uh, expansion built into the game as well, the HQ expansion, which adds cool things like um, abilities for each tribe and stuff like that. Um, so I was really, really excited to pick up that. And what did you pick up? I picked up Fog of Love. Fog of Love. Fog of love. I picked it up from Efka from um, No Pun Included, mm-hmm. so that was really nice as well. But yeah, no, Fog of Love. Um, it's a 2017 two-player game. Uh, where romantic comedy meets board game meets sort of light role-playing yep. element to it. 
Um, because in Fog of Love you create and play two characters who will meet, fall in love, and try and make their relationship work. I think I mean light role play makes it sound quite um adult in a sense. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's not sorry. that type of role not play. <laughs> think uh, not so. Necessarily, I disagree. <laughs> There's a role. There is a role play element to it. Oh, absolutely, but no, not role play in the um. Oh, kinky couples way. Kinky couples way, <laughs> oh, which oh. is how it sounded. <laughs> Romantic comedy meets board game meets light role play. Sounds like <laughs> it comes with an expansion that's got like a police officer's uniform and a truncheon or something. Ain't nothing wrong that, with that. <laughs> it's not that type of role play. <laughs> yeah, we've we've had a couple of plays of it, haven't we? And we thought we'd uh we'd share with you a little playthrough of our game that we played on Valentine's Eve. O Romeo, Romeo, why for art thou chooseth option B when option C doth give us both satisfaction? Deny thine personality traits, or better yet, trade them in for a new one. And scene. You see, Fog of Love plays out in three chapters. Each chapter features a number of scenes as dictated by the scenario. These scenes are played from the player's hand of cards, drawn from the sweet, serious and drama decks. After three chapters, players face the finale, where they discover the true fate of their fictional relationship. Players win the game by achieving their character's destinies. Over the course of a game, players will develop a hand of destinies and in the finale you choose one to try and reach. So we played the high school sweetheart scenario. And, well, spoiler alert, if you really want to remain spoiler-free as possible going into that scenario and not know what any of the chapters entail, then turn off your ears. But honestly, and I can say this because I'm biased and because I want you to listen, but knowing the chapter cards is honestly no big deal. Anyway, our story begins with creating our characters. Firstly, we chose our three traits. Hidden from the other player, these traits had secret goals that we had to try and complete for more satisfaction points. You see, the majority of the game revolves around opposing personality aspects. Your character could be shy, and so it could be your goal to get at least a certain number of tokens in the introverted range. These goals could be individual or shared. Not so great when the other player has the opposite goal to you. Now, my character's traits were conservative, hypocritical and ambitious. Here's a fun game for the rest of the playthrough. You've got to try and guess what Jamie's might have been. Because we weren't smart and didn't write it down. So we then chose our characters' careers from a selection of cards. One, two, three. I'm a banker. I'm a lawyer. Ooh, look at us professionals. City professionals working in the city. Then, using the features deck, we had to identify what features first drew our character to the other character. One of the things that attracted me to you was, I know you're a lawyer, so you're in quite high profession, but um, you're actually quite poorly dressed. So, and I found that quite endearing in, um, in, in, in your profession because, you know, you weren't wearing, you know, all these mega power suits and stuff like that, but you kind of had a bit of a vulnerability to you, which is something you don't often see in lawyers. Well, clearly we're a, a match made in heaven because the first thing I noticed about you was how well-dressed you were. <laughs> <laughs> So I thought, you know, you'll, you'll, uh, I love it. Yeah, you'll bring me up a notch. <laughs> what else I'd like to about you, because obviously you uh, own a lot of money, but what I do like is that um, you've got an old cell phone. And again, that was, 
I thought that was quite cute because you obviously hadn't been sucking into technology. You probably got quite a non-active uh, social media profile sort of thing. You're not on the internet uh-huh. very much. I see. And I quite like that about you because you weren't just sitting there flicking on your phone. You were just you could play Snake and that was it. I noticed what I know first noticed about you was uh, your uh, body odor. I forget to links myself up, eh? Yeah. But you like that about me. Uh, no, it's not necessarily I know like about you. If, really in fairness, okay. um, it's the first thing I noticed. You know, oh, okay. I saw how handsome you were and well dressed yeah. you were, but then also I got hit by this wall of smell. I mean, it does say it's what feature that your character fell for. So clearly, my musky scent is something you fell for. Mm. Um, so the third thing, um, so you're poorly dressed and you got another cell phone. Um, what? makes it even what maybe you know fall for you even more was seeing you on your old cell phone trying to play a bit of snake with your shaky hands (laughs) (laughs) I'm such a (laughs) cat just old hobbly joe over there I can't help but feel like we uh, when I first saw you I felt like we were two peas in a pod because you know with my old cell phone yeah clearly a bit behind the times yeah. um i think i feel like so are you with your uh, worn out jewelry i might i do this You're like this thumb ring i wear yeah as a banker oh. is is from the 80s is it indeed yeah oh well we're <laughs> it's getting a bit one. scraggly it was time to choose the names for these two lovebirds my character the banker he is he his name is he's just william marshall but because he's a banker people call him bill and they just call him Bill Marshall. Um, and that's his name. Um, he is, he's a banker. He's always wanted to be a banker. He always thought money was pretty important. And then he really wanted lots of money. So he thought, right, I'll do banking. And as you can see from all his well-dressed, he's got good suits and stuff. So he, he you know, he flashes the cash. But he's not, I don't think he's arrogant with it. Because obviously he's quite smelly. And he doesn't wear big gold rings and flashes money that way. He just likes to appear... Like he's in control of uh, his own fortune. Well, pleased to meet you, Bill. I'm uh, Felicity Falange. How do you do? <laughs> Is that Flick Falange for short? No. Fliss? No? Flick Falange. Flick. <laughs> in fact, that I'm pretty sure was what she was called on Neighbours. So. I'm pretty sure I read a book where the character was called Fliss for short. Fliss? We could go for we Fliss. Could go Fliss. Fliss Falange. Okay. Fliss Falange. Okay. Prefer to be known as Felicity, actually. Okay. Has a certain um, je ne sais quoi about yeah. it. No, uh, well, you might have noticed I've kind of got this long blonde hair. Quite a fan of a, a clashing pattern. Um, <laughs> what else? What else can I say about myself? Yes, I mean, as you first noticed about me, I do like my old cell phone <laughs> um i'm not quite up to speed with technology i'm afraid no, i prefer no. i prefer to be a little bit more uh, homely and kind of uh, old old technology is good technology you know yeah and i think i i think you can understand where i'm coming from with your uh, worn out <laughs> worn out jewelry, jewelry. yeah i know exactly mm-hmm. characters formed it was time to unveil the synopsis for our scenario you have been dating in high school and are a couple now. Oh. You know that you won't split up, but will your intertwined lives end happily? The challenge. High School Sweethearts is a story about finding balance in a lasting relationship. Balance between your own needs and those of your partner. You depend on each other and need to make it work. Oh, and will you finally get married? Yeah. No. Um, so in chapter one, <laughs> is six scenes. We draw from the sweet deck. Chapter two is 12 scenes. 
where we draw from any of the three decks, and chapter three is eight scenes long and we draw from the drama deck. It's like twice the length of the tutorial game. <laughs> um, and in the finale, each achieved trait goal is plus five satisfaction, and each missed trait goal is minus two satisfaction. Wowzers. Chapter one kicked off with a somewhat unseasonal turn of events. Tell you what, I do love the season. Four. It's Christmas. Oh, already? Starts oh, off with a Christmas good. setting. Um, so I love this time of year. Everything means so much more. Um, so we secretly trade scenes between the two of us. Oh, gosh. And then the next scene we play has a double impact on satisfaction. Perhaps feeling the festive cheer, Fliss decided to burst into song. Now, that song won't be featured because, you know, copyright, and because Fliss had drunk a smidgen of wine at this point and got a little too into a cheesy pop number. But yeah, Bill wasn't impressed. Sorry, but it's nice, but uh, this <gasps> is embarrassing. Don't make a scene. Oh. Um, so I... <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. I go down here. Oh. Um... The chooser, that's me, gets minus two satisfaction. I get minus one. Yay. No, uh, it's doubled. Oh, my Remember, God. It's minus two. Um, and the chooser, me, also draws a serious scene. Because you're so humiliated. I presume that means I have to discard. Cool. Flustered by her embarrassment, Fliss broke the fourth wall. Jamie. Oh, no, that's not your name. Sorry. William. Bill. <laughs> William. God damn it, Bill. Fliss. Bill. I know you're... Irish wristwatch means a lot to you. It's been handed down through generations, but I think you should sell it. It's for your own good. I should sell my wristwatch. Oh, God. If it's important to you, then all right. It's just stuff. Why not throw it all out? So I get minus three. I also go down twice on uh, discipline. And down on that one. And then I change a trait. It's off your choice, though. It's off my choice. And you get plus two satisfaction and you get to draw a serious thing. Then things started to get a little awkward over breakfast. Um, close your eyes. In a minute you'll get everything your heart desires. Uh-huh. <clears throat> um, so what would... Uh, what am I cooking and what would you prefer I cook? Um, ooh, that's just... This is interesting. I think that I, Felicity, would like some creme brulee French toast. Uh oh, well, that's not good because I oh. actually cooked your soft boiled egg, a slice of bread with French butter, oatmeal, and some strawberries. I thought we're both working. Who, who do you think I we're am? We're both working people. We like to, you know, make sure we've got a good. Uh, Good healthy breakfast. Yes, but I'm a classy lady, and classy ladies like creme brulee French toast. Um, so no match. Uh, you get plus one satisfaction. With the relationship already beginning to feel a little strained, Fliss decided she wanted to try and understand the nitty gritty of Bill's character. William, sometimes I feel like we don't really get to to talk, you know, about the things that really matter. So I thought I'd ask you, you know, what what do you feel was your most treasured memory? Oh, well, my most treasured memory. Well, I seem to recall my treasured memory. 
not matching many of my traits. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. May, it's, it's painting a picture do. of you. That's, maybe that's they do. Um, my treasured memory is, I guess, um, I guess really it's, it's about my first love. And uh, Fliss, that's you. You know, that's you. So, you know, I remember us just sitting on the swings when we were How about, old were we? Well, we, yeah, we were high school sweethearts. Oh, but oh, I yeah. knew, we knew you from, you know, childhood. I remember just sitting with you on the swings about, we were about 13 or 14. Oh. Um, we were drinking some K-cider because doing the K-challenge. And we just had a drunken fumble on those swings, which was quite awkward because... 13 or 14-year-old. Yeah, one swung back and the other swung forward. And oh, then it was like, kind of, yeah. And that's how it happened. So, yeah, that was that. Was that. And uh, it gained me a point in sensitivity. Oh, did it? <laughs> which was really important. Right. And so we made our way into chapter two, which asked a big question. Chapter two. You ready for this? Yes. What do you hope will happen? Life is getting more serious. You thought you knew each other, but not everything is transparent or easy to understand. What do you hope will happen? It was an easy question for me to answer, Fliss. How was it? I've, I've thought nothing else since the start of this game, apart from when I changed my trait in the second scene. <laughs> I think we're on the same page, my dear. Oh, you do, do you? Yes. That's good. And what have you chosen, Fliss? I think we can... T- oh, stay oh, true to ourselves. Oh, we're not on the same page. Oh, I... Th- I thought we could be a real love team. Oh. Phil then underwent yet another personality crisis. I know oh, it's difficult God. to trust me. I know I made a mistake, but I want to change. I promise you this will never, in capitals, happen again. I will do everything necessary to change. I change a random trait. A random one. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't see the word random. Oh, were you hoping to change? A specific one. Oh, you wanted uh, to change. My character is really changing. Well, so if I don't change trait again, because I'm already two thirds of a different person than I was <laughs> I know. at the start of You're this, very, I'm only um, just into Act Two. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't know what to think of you anymore. You're not the same person I <laughs> fell not, in love I'm with. Not, I know. Then finally, miraculously, Bill and Fliss actually agreed on something. I mean, Jamie, again, you're not Jamie. I don't know who I'm talking to right now. Uh, me neither, because I'm William. William. I'm Bill. Bill. Bill, my darling. <laughs> We've got to start making some more big decisions about our lives, so I'd like to know where you think we should live. Ooh, where Oops, should I... we live? I'd say out in the country. Me too, Whoa, my dear. Me too. Look at that. We agree on something. Yes. So we match. So the player... That's you, gets plus four. Mm-hmm. I also get plus four. Um, then you discard a destiny and draw a serious scene. Then finally, miraculously, Bill and Fliss actually agreed on something. Me and Jamie, again, you're not Jamie. I don't know who I'm talking to right now. Uh, me neither, because I'm William. William. I'm Bill. Bill. Bill, my darling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've got to start making some more big decisions about our lives, so I'd like to know where you think we should live. Ooh, where Oops, should I... we live? I'd say out in the country. Me too, Whoa, my dear. Me too. Look at that. We agree on something. Yes. So we match. So the player, that's you, gets plus four. Mm-hmm. I also get plus four. 
um, then you discard a destiny and draw a serious scene. Before long, it was time for Fliss to have a little personality switcheroo. There's something very important I want to show you. Okay. And that is, this is where I grew up. It's my old neighbourhood. Um, hasn't changed at all, but it, frankly, it's quite overwhelming. Oh, I don't to know. Meet it you again. So, um, you must change a trait. As a result, Fliss went from conservative to kind. But Fliss and Bill still weren't clicking. Fliss still felt she could do with getting to know Bill a little better. But I still feel like I need to get to know you a bit better, quite frankly. Despite the fact that we've probably been in this relationship for some time. For some time, Fliss, for Um, some time. (laughs) But I'd like to know who would be your dream dinner guest. Please elaborate for me. Well, Fliss, my dream dinner guest would probably be that historical figure, Cleopatra, from (laughs) ancient Egypt. She was a strong woman that fed Europe through her the fields of wheat in Egypt and made lots of trade and she was a very strong woman that provided for a lot of people and I admire her for that and I think it would be good to learn from her ways tell, tell me Bill how did, how did Cleopatra die? Cleopatra there were some saucy uh, interludes with some Romans that got a bit tense but she was also known for, you know, being like the breadbasket of the world. And I would like to learn those things and not the slightly morally wrong things that happened. I probably don't know how Cleopatra actually died. How <laughs> <laughs> did she get bitten by a snake? Oh, so she didn't get stabbed by a Roman. No, that oh. was Julius Caesar. Wasn't Yeah, but weren't they like the lovers? Yeah, they were doing it. Yeah, and it, uh, Cleopatra, I would love to learn about her life. She's a yes. historical figure. Yeah, well, yeah, that's quite um, a good thing. And then got me one up on curiosity, which is, you know... Interesting. Really exciting. Bill then decided to make a bold move. Will you marry me? Oh. So, popping the question. Well, of, of course, yes, 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 yes. Wouldn't it be really bad if I uh, played my You Don't Really Mean That card and <laughs> make you change your choice? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have one I remember from the last game oh. <laughs> you don't really mean that okay so we're now engaged things were starting to look up Fliss and Bill's satisfaction points were finally back in double digits but then the relationship hit a fairly ample sized rock well at our engagement party I thought I'd uh, better introduce you to a good friend of mine called Alex um, um, she's, she's rather gorgeous oh, okay. I hope it's okay if I leave the two of you alone for a couple of hours. <laughs> so gorgeous Alex is flirting heavily with me. How do I react? Bill just can't resist. Oh no! Yes, more. He says. You just, <laughs> just proposed to me, you <laughs> asshole. At the engagement party, your friend Alex flirts with me and just, you know. Um. <laughs> Okay. It happened. So. Bollocks. But the drama wasn't going to end anytime soon. It was time for chapter three, where we could only draw scenes from the drama deck. Things did not go well. I have a bit of a confession. Okay. Take it away, Fliss. Uh, it's a good thing we haven't got married yet, because uh, 
actually still married from previous relationship. <laughs> what? Um, what? No. Awkward. I will get that sorted out as soon as I can, I promise. Whoa. Um, um, shocker. So you can discard any number of scenes. But I have to draw them all from drama, don't I? Yeah. Yeah, they were a little bit. Well, you're the one that's still married. Bless, <laughs> I thought long and hard about my response to this. But you make me happy, no matter what. Oh, I feel the same. Damn straight, I get two from a gentleness there. After Fliss's bombshell, it made sense that she'd be willing to make a few changes for Bill. Like putty in his hands, she changed a trait for him and wound up losing her kindness. Thanks a lot, Bill. Finding herself increasingly unsatisfied in the relationship, Fliss saw inspiration from a fortune cookie. Oh my goodness. Bill. Bill. Fliss. Bill. Fliss. I had the most incredible fortune cookie. (laughs) Did you? Yes, and it's changed my life. Oh God. My fortune cookie changed my life so much that I'm willing to change my very being for the sake of this fortune cookie. But Bill still had one last bombshell to break in the very last scene. This is the last scene. Fliss, you know, you said you're um, still married or were married. Yeah, I got, I got divorced um, really quickly now. There's something I need to tell you that happened a long time ago. Um, I have a child with someone else. What? <laughs> We're the worst couple ever. Look, just, we have some serious communication problems. Just something that happened. I love how like, there's no positive outcome to that. I didn't think there would be. Ah, and the child's a genius. Unhappy with the outcomes, Fliss brought out the big guns and played a minor scene that took a somewhat unconventional solution that's probably not advice for real life relationship problems. I'm just going to ignore that question. (laughs) (laughs) Pretend I didn't hear it. (laughs) Wow. Blank you right there. Um, So you get minus one satisfaction. Mm Mm-hmm. Worth it. Wow, you ignored... Wow, what a cliffhanger. I've got to tell someone else. You just go... And so it was time for the finale. We both had to select a final destiny for our characters. We both revealed equal partners, which needed our characters to have 20 or more satisfaction, and be no more than three satisfaction points apart. It was time for us to reveal our trait goals. Reaching them granted satisfaction points, unsatisfied goals would be a hit on points. So I ended up with Jealous, which is plus three balance on sensitivity, which I did. So I get um, plus five. Do you want to go next? For one of yours? I wound up being a worry wart in the end. A worry wart. Which shared balance, which we did. Yes. So you get plus five. Mm-hmm. I'm also task oriented. Shared balance of one, two, three, minus five on extroversion, which we did because we've got nine there and only two there, so we did that. I was hypocritical, which I didn't reach. You didn't reach that one, okay. So you get um, minus two. Um, I was also sensual, which I had from the very start, but just never got really around to displaying. What was your third trait, Fliss? Ambitious. 
ambitious, which you did. Yeah, flying colours. So did we achieve our destinies? You can probably guess the outcome. Now you see if we fulfilled our characters' destinies. So um, the difference between us is no more than three. Well, it is now. we're on 15 and... Um, 11. 11. <laughs> so I wound up happier than you. And the satisfaction of 20 or more each, which we didn't, we do. didn't do. So no, no, and we didn't break up, though. Yeah, so that's good. but we were a hot mess. <laughs> and that's it. That's uh, Fog of Love. Oh. Wow. So we ended up together, but, but we were not very satisfied. No. There was quite a few twists and turns there. That was an unsuccessful romance. That was, yeah, it was heartbreaking. <laughs> what a Valentine's Day game. I know, right? Well, that's depressing. <laughs> well, that's a bit of a downer. <laughs> So I sad. love you. I love you too. <laughs> I promise I am my age, and I don't have a child by someone else. I promise and I'm not still married. If I did have a child by someone else, I hope you take it more seriously. Then <laughs> <laughs> just. Then just. I did not hear that. Oh, what did you say? <laughs> so that's it, I guess, for this podcast. That is, yeah, that is it. Woo, another one. But yeah, if you if you enjoyed it, maybe um give us a little subscribe. Subscribe. Button. Press that button. Press the the button. The doohickey. Press the button. Oh, we, remember we've got a website as yes, well. Yes, we do. A competitive couple It's got a few reviews on at the moment. More incoming, and we'll slowly yes. build up that body of work over time. <laughs> we also have some uh, social <laughs> social social media. <laughs> social media over um a competitive duo on Twitter. And a competitive couple on Instagram. Yeah. If you want to go and check those out and interact with us. So, uh, I mean, drop us a message as well if you've got another yes. word that means two or couple. Because we've got duo and couple. So if we yeah, get another absolutely. one. <laughs> exactly. Like a Snapchat, like a competitive twosome or something. Jamie, no one needs Snapchat. Get with the times. <laughs> Sorry. Or maybe they do. Or drop us an email with any questions or gaming anecdotes you'd like to share with us. Uh, yeah, the email address is a competitive couple at gmail. Dot com. What are the chances, eh? I know, funny that. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah, so until next time, keep playing Those games, games together. Together, yeah. The music in this podcast is all courtesy of Kevin McLeod at incomtech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons. The tracks used in this episode were Obliteration and Smooth Lovin'.